0: Welcome to the Doing Epic Stuff podcast. I'm your host Mike Drohan and together we'll explore the stories and journeys of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Fear is a natural and largely innate human response to extreme heights. The common perception of aerial sports is that those who play in the clouds without an aircraft are daredevils, risk takers, possibly even flirting with a death wish. Ozzy Khan has jumped out of an aircraft over 9,000 times and counting. Even more impressive than this feat, from my point of view, is that he's convinced numerous corporate entities that it makes good commercial sense to do this. He has a number of incredible aerial marketing activations to his name, including campaigns for NAB, Ford Australia, NIB, and the iconic Carlton Draft Drop the Bomb campaign, that featured a car literally being dropped out of an aircraft at over 14,000 feet onto a gigantic target, all in the name of Beer. He's a man who has found success by choosing to keep his head planted firmly in the clouds. He's developed systems and processes that mitigate the perceived risk of skydiving, battle-tested at over 23,000 feet, and reconfigured for a business context. Join me as I talk with the man who is making creative advertising campaigns great again, whilst developing economies in Southeast Asia through aerosports tourism, Mr. Ozzy Khan.
1: You know, for me, like, uh, you know, I love love moonlighting in and out of agency land because um, the one thing I love about working with brands is that you can really create some incredible content, right? Right, because there's uh, cash,
0: there's cash money everywhere.
1: Well, that's right. And like, you know, it was one of the reasons why I was able to go to Everest and it's one of the reasons why, you know, I got to a wingsuit out of a plane and land in the back of a Ford Ranger on Fraser Island, you know, and, um, (laughs) you know, sponsored a lot of the base jumping that I've done in Norway, Switzerland and France. And I even went over, uh, you know, we did a rock climbing um, uh, content marketing piece for Casio and, you know, we, we, we threw a car out of a plane for Carlton Draft. I was watching that yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, it's really been amazing. And like, and like the other thing as well is that um, I'm now, um, I did my first um, episode as a guest host on Life Off Road on Seven Mate. And uh, next Saturday, uh, my second episode on Life. Uh, off road is going to be airing as well, and, and uh, the guys are pretty excited about. Because uh, I think I think you know Simon Christie, um, he's the, the 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 founder and uh, the guest host, uh, the, the the actual guest host. He and I sort of bounce off each other a lot because he he's he's sort of you know a four wheel drive guy, out back adventure, you know, uh, you know even does martial arts and all that sort of stuff. And 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 oh, cool. you've got these two alpha males sort of thing that. Um, you know, actually, you know, form sort of a brotherhood. And I think that sort of comes through in, in Seven Mate. And then I did the stuff for Ninja Warrior as well, which was awesome. So anyway, sorry. <laughs> man, I just feel like
0: you're, you're always involved in a lot of different things, which is, you know, which is awesome. And I will just briefly say I saw that first episode that you did on Seven Mate and I thought the chemistry was really good and natural. It felt like you guys were just having a kick-ass time.
1: <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, it was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, so that, that's a huge win. You know, if you can have a job where that happens, that's ticking the box. Uh, and PS, yeah. I think your your job sounding a little bit more interesting than my media plan at the moment. Just quietly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, mate, I reckon we should have some conversations.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's 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 wrap this up. Um, I have um, your your. your Interviewing you presents a bit of a challenge, Aussie, because you've done so much interesting stuff. It's like, how do I distill all this stuff into, a, into a, a digestible kind of format to run through? And I think I've kind of brought it all down to thus, so just bear with me on this. So essentially, these are the constant themes that I kind of feel recur throughout Aussie, Aussie land. One is an undying love for jumping out of things at very great heights that just seems to keep happening to you or you keep making it happen. That's true. <laughs> the second one is an ability to, p- to pivot uh, in a professional manner to make sure you can keep jumping out of things. That also seems to keep happening because you're doing all this different stuff but you still keep jumping out of stuff.
1: Correct, that is, that is exactly right. Smart, I like well, it. Yeah, well look, I mean, you know, if you'd like me to elaborate on all of that, um, the one thing that I do know is we've got one life to live, right? And uh, that probably sounds a little bit cliche, but at the end of the day, um, you know, the one thing that this world <laughs> offers is a lot of amazing, colourful people, a lot of beautiful places. Um, and we as human beings have the ability to be able to do things that just constantly uh, excite and uh, blow us away, to be, to be, to be, you know, to be frank about it. You know, it's been very interesting during this COVID nineteen period because there's so many uh, adventurous people who are now in lockdown and need to find other ways to, um, you know, get that, that that feeling, that feeling of being alive, that feeling of doing something meaningful, etc. You know, it's funny. So, so the thing, the one thing that, that I that I knew um, once I realised that skydiving was what I wanted to do, um, and I wanted wanted to continue doing. I mean. You know, I'm almost—I am 50 years old now, and I honestly feel never—I've never been fitter in my life, and uh, and I've never been stronger. You know, it's, you know, just, things are great. You know.
0: And I saw so you doing muscle free. ups on yeah. on freestanding <laughs> Olympic rings. Like for anyone who's tried to do a muscle up, let alone on a chin up bar, which it, it, it's—you know—there's there, levels to that game. To be able to do it on swinging Olympic rings is like. <laughs> that's that's a lot of work man like there's not that many humans who can bust that out so you're obviously feeling pretty good physically
1: well see and and this is this is the whole thing right so you know how does a person that's 50 years old be able to go skydiving and do crossfit do muscle ups and do all of these things and you know again it came back to my my you know what drives me and that and that is to have a great you know great healthy fun life and the thing was i started crossfit probably about seven years ago and that's the reason why i can do all of these things and i have so many friends who i love to death and and they're complaining about shoulder injuries or knee injuries or whatever and it's all about you know taking care of your body and whether you're you know you know it's really important no matter what profession you're in you've got to take care of your mind and you've got to take care of your body and that includes eating habits and all this sort of thing. And, look, you know, I've done my share of partying and all that sort of stuff and drank way too much and gone to all the wrong parties and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day... <laughs> you mean all the biggest... right parties. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? So, you know, I'm not, you know, it's just part of life, man, you know. But, you know, the thing is, is what I've realised is for my longevity and for me to be able to keep jumping out of planes and keep doing what I'm doing, keep jumping up on stage and talking about, you know, uh, my experiences is... By having a healthy mind and a healthy body, and so I just want to divert a little bit now. Now you know, a few years ago, I actually got some professional um, business coaching, and uh, I really was able to d- d- divide. You know, you know, what are the things that Aussie Khan re- represents? You know, and there's four things that sort of comes to mind when when um, I hope well, What I hope that people see when they see me, and one is the fact that I teach people how to skydive. You know, I teach them how to jump out of a plane from not having any experience to, what, to giving them the confidence to be able to do it. I mean, you know, to, to put things into perspective, um, you know, we sold a, 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 you know, a, um, a skydiving centre to an ASX-listed company, which obviously has a lot of regulations and regulatory control and all that sort of stuff. So how are we able to do that? And a lot of, and a lot of that is, you know, comes from, you know, what do you, do, what do you need to do to keep yourself skydiving? You know, I've done 9,500 jumps. And there's a certain number of things that I have to do, just like when you jump into a car and drive down the road, that you check to make sure that you're being safe, you know, through that entire experience. Now, the difference between, for me, the difference between that and jumping and out of a plane, you know, I'm, I'm using similar principles. In actual fact, skydiving has probably made me a lot safer on the road because my awareness of what's around me has become better. And this is what I invite a lot of people to do, is to be able to, to, to get outside of, you know, your, your headspace um, and be able to think things through, make good decisions, um, read the signs to keep you safe. And that's whether you're skydiving or even even driving a car. You know, if mean, somebody starts texting the car, it's pretty dangerous, right? You're probably gonna hit the car in front of you. So don't do that. What do you do in an emergency situation, right? These are the things we need to think about, whether we're driving on the road, walking down the street or jumping out of a plane. And at the end of the day, it hasn't been luck, because nine and a half thousand years and twenty-six years later, I'm still here. But taking 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 a you know, so so being how many how many jumps is how many jumps have you done, Oz? Nine over nine and a half thousand.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man.
1: All right, sorry, please continue. No, all right. So, you know, and that's how, you know, we, we talked about the media and marketing industry, right? So the thing is is that you know, I've done jumps into the MCG. I've done jumps into Moomba, um, the, the Royal Melbourne Show, the Grand Prix, right? Um, and, you know, these are, you know, brands like NIB, Carlton Draft, Australia Post, um, National Australia Bank, which is on, I was on the uh, the homepage, you know, doing a tandem and that we had this campaign that we're running. And then, and then the, the biggest question that I asked myself was, how am I going to make a brand trust me? Mm. How am I going to make a brand actually that, 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 that's got a their reputation at stake? How am I going to make them feel comfortable enough that I can make their brand more exciting by, by offering them some content that we create that will blow their customers out of the water, but do it safely like throwing a car out of a plane um, in a way that the brand is protected. So we created a methodology around that. All right. And, uh, you know, using all the rules and regulations and, and, and you know, the Australian Parachute Federation uh, puts together and then putting our own thinking into it as well, it's always about that. Like we just did, a, uh, I think, an uh, Australian Ninja Warrior where we had a guy do a rope climb for 10 metres at, at, uh, under a balloon at 7,000 feet. And there was a lot of thinking that was involved there, right? And it was all done safely and it was all done well. And this is the offering that we have to brands. And so whether it be the, the person who's learning how to skydive whether it be the brand or whether it be you know the city of Port Phillip who wants to do who wants to put you know do 14,000 tandem skydives a year in St Kilda we have a very very strong methodology around that and that's what I, that that's what i want to teach you know to people regardless of the industry
0: right okay and it feels like there's there's a real this sort of thinking and these sort of uh, developing methodologies like that have a, a natural cross-context application. So if you can really nail something like that and make skydiving, skydiving safe and palatable, I mean, what can't you make safe given the perceived ultra-high risk of something like that? Um, and I guess com- get working through that process has kind of leveled you up in a number of different ways to be able to consume and distill information and present it in a way that can be further consumed by audiences who may have zero understanding of what actually goes into a safe and successful jump, essentially, yeah?
1: Well, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, it's hard to say something is safe. Um, but what I can say is that you can put all the right uh, things in place and you can um, think about uh, you know, when, when, you're, when you're executing a skill, whether it be driving or jumping out of a plane or scuba diving or whatever, there's always going to be inherent risk. And it's all about the planning beforehand. So say, for example, you know, um, you know people talk about, uh, you know, what if the parachute doesn't open? Well, we're talking about gear failure here. We're talking about the same thing that, like, you know, what happens if you jump in the car and you're heading, you know, you're driving down the, the road at 100 kilometres per hour and your brakes fail. Okay, well, what do you do? You, you, you Firstly, get your car serviced, right, and make sure those brakes are in good condition because at the end of the day, a brake line is only like, you know, a couple of millimetres thick and it has fluid going through and if that cracks, all of a sudden you've got no brakes, right? So get your brakes fixed. And so, so you know, there's other, and there's a whole host of other things that you need to do and all the checks that you do. Like you don't, you know, what, you, know you need to check that your tyres are full of air, right? If they're not mm-hmm. full of air, well, that's probably not going to uh it's not going to drive as well and perform as well on the road. So these are all the sort of things that we do prior to and them. This, and this is the thinking that we do with skydiving or even if you did scuba diving or even if you did rock climbing, right? And, and people do these things every day. You know, that there's 180,000 tandem skydives done every year in Australia pre, uh, pre-COVID. 180,000. Jesus. That's a okay. lot. Okay. So, wow. you know, there's a reason why we, we were able to do this stuff. And every day, we, we you know, when we, you know, I get down to instructor with the amazing team down there in St. Kilda. And every day, it doesn't matter if you had a good day, bad day, fight with your missus or whatever, you've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to work it out inside yourself, right? As a full time job, doing maybe 10 jumps a day, where you're going to take somebody and probably from sunrise to sunset, where you're jumping out of people over the bay, probably looking at the winds, looking at the conditions, making good decisions, knowing when to say no, knowing when it's okay. Oh my goodness, I think there's a storm front coming. We probably can get one more jump in then we just sit on the ground. Or if you make the decision to go and you look at that and that's no, 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 not safe and then land the plane. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not just a thing where we jump out of a plane, it's out of control. It's more of a thing where we're always calculating, you're always making good decisions. And if, you, if, you, if your mind and your body are in the best condition possible, you're going to be the best, um, you know, you're you're going to be the best at at, at making those good decisions and also performing, um, you know, to keep yourself safe and having lots of fun. Gotcha. So there's obviously
0: a lot of prep work that goes into this sort of work in general. And then I guess as soon as you've got a teaching role, there needs to be those processes to Whomever's is going to jump for the first time you've got to take them through courses and make sure that they're competent and it's quite I guess just looking from an outside outsider looking in I guess there's a lot of responsibility there to get that right because at the end of the day the repercussions are so high with, for something to go wrong uh, which yeah I guess through my from my own pro- profession I guess there's a lot of systems and processes to do things but this is like that on steroids, I guess. And I feel like yeah. to, to continue to do it really, really well. I mean, you, it, how much of it is other people checking on your systems and processes? I guess is interesting to me. Like, who
1: watches you yeah. watching them? Yeah. Great, 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 uh, great question. Okay. So the way that the way that it works is obviously the Civil Aviation Safety Authority is the uh, governing aviation body in Australia. All right. Now, um, there are a whole lot of rules and regulations that we need to follow um, that make them feel like that, that we're doing our, doing our job. Now, um, there's another organisation called the Australian Parachute Federation, right, which is now the regulatory body for skydiving, because over the last 25, 26 years, or 30 years, whatever it was, it might be more than that, actually. No, it's actually more than that. Actually, it's probably more like you know forty. I, actually, I don't know. I don't know how. It's a long time. Anyway, <laughs> so they've 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 built up a reputation where that where where that organisation can be trusted, and they have all the right um, procedures, operational regulations, and staff to be able to manage this. You know, to manage this. So we've got everybody from a CEO to a to a uh, you know safety and training manager, safety and training officers. We've got uh, aviation, uh, you know, specialists and aviation officers all looking at this from a national level, right? And then from there, we have state bodies that also look at what the individual uh, skydiving centres are doing. And then within the actual organisations, you have chief instructors, you have drop zone safety officers, you have, you know, instructors that teach, you know, accelerated freefall courses, learn-to-skydive courses or learn-to-skydive instructor-assisted deployment. And then you've also got, you know, um, chief instructors and drop zone safety officers, et cetera, that look after tandem skydives as well, right? Oh, okay,
0: so, a, it's a big so, web.
1: <laughs> oh, it's a massive web, right? And it's all about accountability, right? Sure. But when it comes down to, you know, at the end of the day, you, we might have all of that. But at the end of the day, when, you know, I take, you know, you, Michael, for your first jump and, uh, you know, we're talking about doing a jump with two instructors. We're hanging on to you as we as, as we for 220 kilometers per hour, you need to, before you even get there, you need to show me over a period of time that you have what it takes to be able to do that. And, 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 and my job is to impart the knowledge to you. And then I need to be able to look myself in the mirror and say, I believe that Michael has the skills now and the confidence and the confidence to be able to do this. And mm-hmm. then, you know, once I've got that in my head, then I've got, you know, um, myself, if you, if you don't pull, I'll pull. If uh, if uh, I don't pull, the other instructor will pull and you've got an automatic activation device, which also will make sure you've got a parachute above your head. So, you know, it's a process of building blocks. It's a process of uh, trust and communication, uh, knowledge transfer. And then as, as as my confidence goes up, then I can allow, you know, um, us to be able to do this guy. And I would do things and yeah you know, okay. Yeah. We, yeah. We were checking in, checking out, up, down, out the plan. We go. Yep. Like I can see you're grabbing the, 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 the uh, the, the ripcord. Okay. Back out again. Yep. You did it again. Yep. Right. I'm, I'm looking at you. Yep. You, you're all aware there I can see that you're looking at me and you're, you're giving me all the right signals that, that, that you're on top of this, right. And I'm <laughs> not to-
0: just, you're not just unconscious or like looking absolutely petrified and frozen. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it yeah. would probably you know, be me. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, but but I would already, I mean, you know, I've developed because, because my the courses that I run, um, you know, I take, you know, a week, you know, a week and a half to actually do lots of ground training. And I actually get to know each person. And, right. And okay. so it, my, the course that I've got going now, I have a 16-year-old girl all the way up to a 42-year-old lawyer lawyer right? And, you know, they're all going through their own, you know, challenges mentally about, you know, oh, you know, You know, I'm wondering if i will be able to do this and that. But as, as as I start, you know, giving them the building blocks, right, of all that they need to know from things like equipment to aircraft, you know, emergencies, aircraft descent, you know, what do we do on exit, time awareness counts, emergency procedures, you know, identifying malfunctions, landing procedures and all that sort of stuff, you can see their confidence start to rise. And, you know, because we're doing drills and drills and drills and drills and drills, you can mm. see they really they've they've gone from being well I'm excited to oh my God I'm not going to want to do this to back I'm excited again and all of a sudden you know everybody is super pumped because they're starting to get it and they've got the tools and the and and, and the knowledge now to be able to keep themselves safe. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So it's really that that
0: real repetition and it's not like anyone's kind of going up there uh, half cocked. They've done so much kind of groundwork and it's been reviewed and tested that by the time that they're actually going up there or getting in the plane you've pretty much weeded out to a large extent uh as much as I guess you can as a human that they're ready for the jump sort of thing so yeah i guess that there's such good. a such an important mm-hmm. human element in this thing uh, as yeah. as you sort of talk about it maybe we'll jump across Ozzy. i'm interested to know how you've managed to know when and how to pivot To ensure that you keep moving on a trajectory where you keep doing what you want to do which at the end of the day is I'm going to put it under the umbrella of cool shit in the air now yeah okay how so for example I looked at your LinkedIn I saw that you started at Swinburne University of Tech in back in 92 and your comment under that is finished second year but realized life was heading in the wrong direction smiley face (laughs) that's what it says i'm like my that's man crazy.
1: this guy knows what he likes <laughs> so, that's actually very funny
0: i kind of want to know how, how do you where did this strong sense of self or intuition come from and how do you recognize if and when you should pivot from something into a new business opportunity or to just say, this is not feeling right. Or maybe I do need to keep trying this, even though it's hard. Yeah. That's, I guess, that's kind of the topic I'd like to yeah, discuss.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Me. Easy, 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 easy. I think, I think one of the things that, that, uh, you know, we all should do is, 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 is not be a one trick pony sort of thing, I suppose. And uh, you know, if I, if I just, you know, jumped out of planes, doing tandems at St. Kilda, I'd probably get pretty bored. You know, if, if I do one thing only, then, you know, you do one thing only, lo- you know, um, for you know long enough, then then it doesn't become as special as it is. So the whole idea for me was, how do I make everything that I love feel special all the time? Right? <laughs> and so that's why, you know, I sort of really solidified in my head now. And that's why I do instructing. That's why I do the media and marketing. That's why I'm building, you know, um, skydiving centers in Asia. And that's why I run, you know, workshops about team development based on all the principles of team and a skydiving team, especially in the workplace or, you know, when I'm on, on set or when, when, when I'm doing a production for a Ford or a National Australia Bank or whatever. So because I have these four things that I'm sort of developing at the same time, life doesn't really get boring anymore, right? Because, you know, you know. One minute I'm 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 you know in the Indonesian embassy talking to them about aerosports tourism. The next minute, you know, I'm doing a uh, you know a workshop for a real estate firm talking about team development. This concept called alone and responsible, bringing home your the results for you and your team, which is really about t- um, team development. You know, mm. um, and you know, and then I'm sort of pivoting from each one, and I'm and I'm sort of working each one of these and. And, and as the opportunities come up, because clients say, hey, we, we need to use you for whatever, then it just doesn't get boring. So I'm meeting new people. I'm dealing with different organizations. I'm flying overseas, you know, and then I get to come home and be grounded with my beautiful family, where I have a wife and, you know, um, two beautiful girls and a son, um, you know, where I, I I get to sit back and we just need, we just get to garden. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <We> get to- <laughs> it's a much needed <laughs> <Yeah>. garden time. <laughs> Yeah, you know, some much-needed garden, exactly,
0: right? So, how do how do you litmus test these ideas, though, uh, Aussie? Are they are they, let's say, because I feel like every man and his dog would want you to do something for him. You've got a big repertoire of like professional marketing type activities. You're involved in things in a business context, and who doesn't want to kind of in- integrate with the person doing this really innovative, cutting-edge adventure sports stuff so how do you kind of sort the wheat from the chaff in terms of door knockers essentially
1: yeah so the way that the way that I work um is uh I give I give people a certain amount of time all right so um and it's 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 it's, it's an amount of time that I will never ever ever regret it's the amount of time that I give people that I say, okay, if I'm going to give you three hours to 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 workshop this idea that you want to do, um, you know, you know, if it goes further and it goes into some sort of commercial arrangement, fantastic. But if it doesn't go further, I don't feel bad because I've I've, I've given the exact amount of time to flush out whether this is a real opportunity or not, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, and and then once if we if if we decide that it is a commercial arrangement then we make sure that um, you know the right rewards are in place the right expectations and understandings are in place and whether that be through you know a handshake or an MOU or something you know having really clear understandings and uh, you know to protect friendships is what it's all about and look you know a lot of people have a lot of great ideas um, and a lot of a lot of people are tire kickers but then you have a lot of you know, you know people who work for brands, or people that you know are investors that 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 need you to, need me to 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 you know materialize their idea into something that's commercial, or whether it be people that want me to go and teach them to skydive. Right? It's about having those clear expectations and and a clear process to work out whether it is something that I want to spend time doing.
0: Right. So you've kind of got this. Yeah. Okay. You've kind of got this process, which is what I do is I allocate as, as, the, as the, the preliminary first kind of step. I allocate whatever this person is or whatever they're representing, a fixed amount of time that I estimate this is worth giving to it and that I won't regret. And after that, I can pull back and make a conscious decision on whether allocating more time to it
1: is worth doing. Correct. Because that, that, that really protects me as well, Right. Because, I, you know, how many times have I been down a project pathway and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm giving so much away and then, and then all of a sudden there's no reward for me and I've got, got spent all this time and you know, I've still got to put food on the table for, the, for my kids and, you know, my, my wife. And, and, and so it, 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 it was really about setting boundaries for myself, right? Not to get excited about things that, you know, doesn't have crystal clear clarity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And especially because I feel like you are someone who leads a uh, heart first as I do a little bit myself, where it's like, yeah. wow, this is cool. This sounds cool. I'm going to dedicate, like dedicate time to it before I worry too much about the outcome. If it really interests me. I think when yes. you're, when, when you're that sort of person, you do have to limit yourself a bit because you can be pulled in a lot of different directions. So I can kind of relate to that I think
1: yeah and and, and and you know at the end of the day it is all about you know you know work-life balance and it's also about respect and but, but you know the, the biggest thing you know Michael the biggest thing it's about it's about purpose and vision and it's about you know what are we here to do you know and and uh, you know if I can get people to trust themselves more help them make better decisions through the things I've done um, especially things like, you know, doing a wingsuit flight, flight with the Everest skydive team. So, well, well, you know, if I can do that, I mean, surely, you know, decision-making and stuff when you're in the boardroom or when you're with your family or whatever, you know, we, we, we can make these things easier. You know, we can make these and you can make good decisions. You know, I mean, a lot of people at the moment, you know, you know I've, I've realised you know, if you're looking at companies like even like Virgin Australia that, you know, couldn't survive more than three months when COVID hit, or, you know, um, you know, I remember when I was in my 20s, you know, I was living paycheck to paycheck, massive risk, right? If I lose my job, how am I going to pay my rent? Mm. You know what I mean? So, so, so you know, even, even, even on that level, you know, I know right now that I, that I can get through quite a few months, you know, with this whole COVID thing and whatever. And, you know, I've got money coming in as well, which is good. So, but, you know, if, if everything shuts down, how, how long can I survive for? You know, and 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 it's almost like you have to go to your emergency procedures, like you would in skydiving. You know what I mean? I know it's a very, very crazy sort of analogy, but if you really think about it, is it that crazy?
0: Yeah, I mean, it it seems almost unreal how a couple of months without revenue coming in can critically cripple even the largest of uh, corporate entities or or whatever it is. Uh, when it feels like yeah i mean you you are you, you kind of the older you get the more you kind of realize the importance of saving and putting putting money away for the rainy day and all that sort of stuff and then something like this hits and it and people the rug is just totally pulled out from under them and then you, you, the case you the example you said Aussie with Virgin it's like what were they operating on what what margins yeah. were they operating on to fall over right. without two or three months of like that's just the mind boggles because I guess their flights were cheap, but Jesus Christ, how do these things operate if that's what it takes to to knock one out? So it is pretty crazy.
1: You'd probably call that a major malfunction, wouldn't you?
0: (laughs) My God, like just, just incredible. Let's, Maybe we'll move across to a, to a topic which I feel like you know intimately, perhaps more than most people. And I'm going to try and work out if it's just because your brain's wired a certain way or, or sure. if, if you've trained yourself to do this. So let's talk about fear, right? Yeah. Now, behind everything that we do, pretty much, to a, to a large extent, the, the depth or, or the breadth of what we do or don't allow ourselves to do, I feel is controlled by, largely by our fears or what we give ourselves license to do, right? Now, for me personally, I would think about skydiving and I'd think, well, heights are probably one of my greatest fears. So for me to kind of go down that path, I would need to really need a, you know, it. Would, it's something I would probably prefer not to do <laughs> but I think it's something that cool. it would I can see the value in me tackling that one day because I know at some point deep deep down that if I can overcome that I'm a stronger person for it. so what I want to understand is where did your fear level start with skydiving? How has it changed and what have you learned from fear by being close to it yourself and not necessarily being your own fear but the fear of people around you like in these scenarios which you've been in again and again and again when you take them up for their first jump out of a plane or yeah anything of that So how is that how does that change your relationship with fear and what have you learned from it okay
1: great question. great question you never for me you never lose fear um fear is something that keeps you safe um fear is something that is inherent to um You know your checks and balances when when you're jumping with other people jumping by yourself driving down the road um you know it's an important you know but the thing is is that you can't allow fear to limit you and that's the thing you know and um if i'm jumping into the mcg which is one of the most difficult jumps that you can do there's a lot of fear oh what if this happens what if that happens what if this happens what if that happens you know and and, and the thing is, is that the way that you control fear is by realising, and, and, and the biggest thing is understanding whether your abilities uh, or your ambition is bigger than your abilities. Right? <laughs> You'd want to find that but, out pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, seriously, but but, but but if you think about it, like, you know, you know, people need to start thinking more about consequences and all this sort of thing from the perspective of... Um, if things go wrong, what's the worst-case scenario, right? Um, and how I'm going to make sure that those things don't go wrong. Um, at the end of the day, uh, we all get excited about life. We all get excited about you know, the, 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 the adventure experiences that we're having. And so why do we need to uh, limit ourselves because of fear? Mm-hmm. Now, now, the thing is, is that let's, let's go a little bit deeper, um, and I, and, I, and it's, a, it's a bit of a, a touchy subject, um, which I'm happy to share because I was able, I'm able to, to uh, you know, I totally came to terms with this year, 2020. Um, a lot of things have really opened up for me, and um, it's been great. So I lost, I lost uh, contact with my son about five or six years ago, and during that time, um, uh, you know, I, my, I was really, my brain was weakened, like like you know depression sort of sort of stuff and i remember you know going to work and jumping out of a plane and you know because my my my, um my mind uh was in a weakened state i actually felt fear to a greater level not so much where i um i uh, uh you know couldn't do my job and do it effectively but i did notice my anxiety levels were were greater because I, um, uh, you know, you know, my mind was in a weakened state. Right. So that was a really great experience for me because it really got to know myself. And and you know, whether you're tired, whether you're having a bad time at home, or, or all these sort of things, they can contribute to your own confidence in, and and also your your own ability to be able to perform skills and all this sort of thing, right? Because you know, there is a relationship between Stress and anxiety and uh, skill performance, right? Mm. And so these are the things that that you need to really start to realize, depending on what's going on in your life and all that sort of thing. But by the same token, because of all the procedures and all the and and and, you, and the things that you do day to day, like you know when you go down to the drop zone, you know I get up, I set up all my gear, I have a look at the weather, and there's all these things that I do as my you know by habit. Which, which, which gives me all the indicators that, that okay, yep, we're all good to go and I know I can do this safely. And so, and so you know, my relationship with fear is one. I mean, I, I went and did a, uh, a scuba. I had a really bad experience um, years ago where um, I had a, a dive instructor when I was at 12 metres in Port Phillip Bay and uh, he kept on out swimming me and anyway, I ended up doing this uncontrolled descent, uh, you know, uh, ascent uh from you know 20 30 30 meters whatever it was and i can't believe i didn't get the bends but it was a horrible experience anyway that does not sound pleasant no it wasn't man it wasn't it was actually horrible and i i I actually stopped scuba diving because of it Mm. so anyway so a friend of mine named lonnie bissonet who lives in niagara falls canada he's a paraplegic base jumper and i and he's an amazing man he's like five times world champion um para bobsled like it's just a Oh, amazingly Mad motivated. <laughs> yeah just, you know anyway he's he's rung me up one day and he's gone oh Aussie um, we've, got to, we've got to go scuba diving in the Great Barrier Reef and I go okay yeah that's a great idea mate when do you want to go I'll be there in, in a week and a half what what <laughs> you know I'm like oh my god really alright alright it's wanting B- okay okay. I'll uh change my shit around and, and <laughs> I'll meet you there I'll meet you in Cairns mate okay cool so I did all of that anyway so I'm on this boat and uh like 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 I'm I'm gonna go and do my first dive, and all I can think about is this, this this ascent that I did from 30 meters that which was the most horrible experience of my life, mm. and I couldn't I couldn't do it I couldn't I couldn't die. I just couldn't do it and I'm and I was, I'm like I'm like I went down into my cabin I'm in tears and I'm like oh I just can't bloody do this this is shit God you know mm. I got up and Lonnie's Lonnie paraplegic base jumpers, you know scuba diving learning to scuba dive and all sort of thing. Anyway, one of the instructors came down to me and they said, "Ozzie, you know, we just need to take this step by step." And it really felt like what I do with 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 um with my my skydive my skydive uh, students, right? One step at a time. Right? So, you know, one step at a time got the gear on, it was we did a one-on-one and uh, you know, the very, the very first dive I did was horrible. Went back up again. Second dive, well, oh, that's not too bad. And then by 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 the end of the uh um you know the the week, mate, I was having an absolute ball. Like I, <laughs> it, was, yeah, it was like I was we were seeing these beautiful turtles and Nemo and reef and all that stuff. So what 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 it is when it comes to this fear? Because I, I was like you know you know you know red knuckle fever, fever you know white knuckle fever sort of stuff, you know you just got to chip away at it, right? And, and, and build, your, build your, your, your experiences up in whatever's fearful, right? And so you go down to two meters and check it out, oh yeah, cool, I'll go down to five minutes, check it out, it's cool. then all of a sudden you get yourself distracted, practice on your breathing, do all this sort of stuff, then all of a sudden it becomes second nature, right? And uh, the, 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 the danger's still there, but you know, you've, you've almost got like a toolkit, you've got, you, you know, you've got a, a toolkit of knowledge information pictures in your head, all this sort of stuff, which, you know, allows you to breathe through it and, and actually go from being worried to actually, you know, really experiencing it in a way that, you know, anybody that does an adventure sport should experience it.
0: Right. So you, can't, you almost, if you can break it down like that, uh, however, and however method works for you, you're almost uh, undercutting the fear rather than trying to face it as, as its whole. Let's say for me in skydiving, I was saying, if I looked at it and went, jumping out of a plane today scares the shit out of me. But if I broke it down and went, well, let's work towards jumping off a 10 meter tower at the pool over a two week period as the first step, overcoming that kind of baby fear and then building on that over time, I can see how if I broke it down to layers like that, I could probably address it much more uh, I guess, kind of in a conscious manner where I've got a process to overcome it. And I guess conscious that's kind of that's conscious what you guys are doing, isn't it? It's basically you, yeah. you're getting people who come through the door. You're, you're, you're systemizing that process in a, in a very short
1: period, really. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes, that's correct. So, so the way that we work, the way that when I, when I run my, fir- the, the, my first jump course is there's sort of nine 45-minute modules that we go through, right? And so we, we, we done the first one's more like an introduction. The second one is let's talk about equipment. You know, the third one is, you know, we talk about, you know, uh, getting in the plane and, and the aircraft ascent and what do we do if there's an air you know, engine failure, all this sort of stuff. Oh, so we cry. We cry, Aussie. We cry and we maybe soil ourselves. No, That's don't. what we do. No, we don't. No, we don't. No, we don't. No. <laughs> You know we, know, we know that if the plane's on the ground, right, we get out, and we walk 45 degrees away from the tail and we go to a safe area. If we're, you know, from anywhere between zero and, I don't know, you know, 1,500, 2,000 feet, um, you know, or 1,500 <laughs> feet, we'll probably stay on the plane and, 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 and take directions from the, the pilot. And if we're above a certain height, you know, maybe 1,500 feet to, I'm just running numbers up out here, but 1,500 feet to, to ground, we might, you know, jump out, open our reserve, or if we're up at 4,000 feet, we'll jump out and open our main parachute straight away, right? So, you know, we we know things like what do we do if we have a parachute, you know, open in the plane? What do we do if the door's open? What do we do if the door's closed, you know? So we're sort of making sure that, you know, we're accounting for all the problems that can happen so that we can keep ourselves safe. And then it goes into we do time awareness counts, emergency procedures, you know, um, malfunction identification, right? um we talk about stability in free fall we talk about opening characteristics flying characteristics of the parachute you'll have a target assistance on the ground who will assist you with your landing all the way to what you do when you actually land pack up your parachute and walk back to the uh back to the uh the hangar so Uh, it's so, it's so
0: it's so uh comprehensive i feel like it's on on par with probably even more so with uh with learning to scuba dive, which is so comprehensive or was before there was all the digital devices on your hands. I remember when I went through it, there was basically you had to study all the things about time and measurement and understanding how to do controlled descents and all that stuff like that was, that was a significant body of work before they even let you anywhere near the uh, the water. So I I get it. That's cool. Tell me this Aussie, have you got a story about fear about someone having either approaching you and going look mate this is insurmountable fear for me to do what you're asking me to do to to skydive and then overcoming that is that something that yeah is, is there anything that comes to mind as an example of that because i think for a lot of people the the fear could be crippling that they just don't want to face it it would be interesting to know if you've met people who've gone look i just never would skydive and you've managed to to get them to skydive has yeah any, any examples of that
1: well, look, I mean, I, I think like, there are so many examples of that. You know, I mean, the reason why people come down and the reason why I suppose we do 180,000 tandems a year and however many AFF courses and all this sort of thing is people, uh, you know, want to, they're intrigued by it, right? And, yet, and then you even have those people who just, there's no way they'll do it. But then all of a sudden, you know, they've seen their friends do it. They've seen their mum do it. They've seen, you know, blah, blah, blah. And... And you know you, you, you come down to the drop zone and and you see the you see you know, these people and you can just tell in their eyes you know the eyes are the window to your soul for sure you know and and uh you know the first thing that I do is i as i as I approach them, I see what's going on, you know a lot of people are really can be really loud when they're when they're fearful or some people can be really quiet when they're fearful right? <laughs> yep. um, you know? yeah and 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 it's really you know. The great, the great thing about you know when I'm jumping in Kilda especially you know we have a 20-minute bus ride to Marabu Airport, right? And it's it's an opportunity for me to really have a nice conversation. You know we're teammates now. We're going to do a jump together. Yeah, it's going to be great. And and I start to get some feedback, and I start start to read their energy and and, and understand you know what you know what's going on in this person's head, you know, and and how are they going to be when we're actually get out get them out in freefall, and and uh, you know I need to make sure that they're safe, right? And so, so there's been, you know, so many times, you know, there's been, you know, quite a few times when, you know, I've got to the door and then all of a sudden shit's gone down and whatever. And it's like, you know what? You don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. And this is the biggest thing, you know, but, and I, and, and I get out of the way and, I, and the plane will go round and, 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 I'll, and, I'll, and I'll say, look, you know, look me in the eyes. You need to look me in the eyes right now. Okay. I've got you. This is going to be fine. You know, you know, you, you know, you're gonna. You, you may regret it if, you, if if everybody else jumps and and you don't. And you know how? Yeah, I know. I really want to do it. I know. I really want to do it. I just I just can't. And I'm like, you know, that's okay. You know, we 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 got time. You know, the plane's going around. We're all good. Are you Are you sure you don't want to do it? No, I'm not sure. Okay, well, cool. what well, do you want to do it? <laughs> oh God, this, this is making me nervous. <laughs> you're telling me this, are I, yeah. I, yeah. I can just picture it. <laughs> exactly. And i have got to look look see here. One, two, three, four. You're clipped on. You're fine. You know, take a deep breath for me. Come on, take a deep breath. Okay, now we're feeling better. Now we're getting some air in the lungs. Let's go, right? Another deep breath. Okay, now relax your shoulders. Relax your shoulders, okay? Look me in the eyes. You're going to be fine. You're going you're gonna to be fine, okay? You are going to have the best time of your life. okay? <laughs> and as soon as, 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 soon as we, we get we get the door open i'm gone i'm just like, poof, out the yeah, door straight out so no time for second chances i don't even give them a second man i, I mean, once they agreed and said yes if they say no i would never do it i would never ever take a person skydiving that doesn't want to do it even yep. you know even come up at up at 14, feet ready to go it's the, it, 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 you know this is not the military this is supposed to be fun right Mm-hmm. So we're at the door, we're at the door, doors opened, and uh yeah, poof, I'm out the door and Yoo-hoo! And then before they know it, they're in free fall and you know they're seeing like Lunar Park and you know the, the <laughs> of Bay and and, and and you know it's all <laughs> happening, and, you know, we can see you know Courtville race course, Flemington race course, you know, you can see like the shrine, the MCG, you know, parachute open. <laughs> Parachutes open. That's very serene. And we're looking around and we're just like, hey, this is for you know and, and they're like I give and I, and I keep their mind occupied and I give them a fly. Okay, you have a fly now, you have a fly now. Oh <laughs> no, no, And i you can, yeah, listen to me, breathe. You can fly now, right? Good. You know, and that's the
0: process. Uh, I see. I was there, mate. I just, you know, I can picture it. I can picture it. No one, you know, I, just, I love it. I love it. It must just be life-changing for people. I can imagine they hit the terra firma and they either think even if they think jesus christ i'll never do that again the the they must just be absolutely on cloud nine after an experience like that just
1: incredible <laughs> it's awesome man and and you know and and that's one of the things that really drives me is 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 the fact that you know i can i can do something that that's so rewarding for, for other people and and and, and it's a, and it gives them a little bit of a window into what the sport does for me how, how did you convince Carlton to let you drop
0: a car out of, the, out of an airplane as an ad campaign? Like, how did that come about? I mean, that, I saw the footage of that and I'm like, you guys are literally pushing a car out of an airplane to land on a target. Uh, <laughs> I, I, can, yes. I can only imagine the, the, the breadth of rules and regulations that, that would have to be overcome to even consider launching something like that.
1: Oh, there was twelve months of planning there was there was twelve months of planning for that for that gig I mean you know that was the first time a car had been dropped from a plane in australia <laughs> with good fucking reason mate. Yeah, right? to be on
0: the road nothing there
1: <laughs> yeah 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 and you know that's a that's a really great question you know Michael because it the, you know the the answer actually became the fundamentals as to what I try to do in media and marketing, um, especially, you know, content development. And, you know, it came, around, it came about because of six things that, that uh, you know, can't draft in most agencies, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, do. And that is that they, they work out, okay, what's the communication challenge? You know, what are their goals? What's their strategy? What's the big idea? Throwing a car out of a plane. And how do we bring the big idea to life? And then, you know, did did, did the, the brand actually achieve their goals? And so working around that 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 and this some this is this um, six-part framework is what I use, you know, in all the stuff I do now. It's it's amazing. And anyway, so the whole idea was Carlton Draft back then, this was this is I think it was 2010 or something, something like 2010 anyway. And yeah. That was when yeah. all the all the new beers, all the uh, you know, all the new beer brands started hitting the market. And and Carlton Draft um you know was losing its relevance right it was losing its relevance especially to the uh the the, the younger uh the younger customer the younger drinker right because was more like the old man's drink right? yeah
0: yeah you'd go down to the old
1: man pub and you'd get
0: your your three dollar pot of uh carton draft or you were a, a uni kid and you only drank it because it was uh in the eight dollar jugs night
1: yeah correct correct, correct right <laughs> And so, and so, they wanted to really um, make the brand more exciting. So, um, you know, the idea came up that, you know, well, what can we really do? What can we really do? And, 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 you know, you know, we were doing stuff because we did a, we did a, um, uh, you remember uh, Carlton Draft Sky Troopers? You, you, I don't know if you remember oh, that. Oh yeah, Carlton, I do, I do. Yep. yep. We created all the content for Carlton Draft Sky Troopers. You know, jumping out of a plane and. And, uh, you know, we even did stuff where we, uh, where we created an AFL football match in the sky, right? <laughs> and that was played at like the 2010 Grand final and, you know, we were supposed to jump but the weather conditions weren't good so for camera we just ran out with our parachutes and pretended we jumped and, you know, for camera and, uh, you know, everybody, everybody at home thought we, we jumped and everybody oh, sneaky. At, at the MCG going, what are these dickheads doing? that's hilarious so it was it would already been pre-recorded yeah 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 it all been (laughs) pre-recorded like that thing was great um so yeah so you know and and and, you know the great thing was was you know everybody you know because a lot of people say you know um what does jumping what does a car throwing a car out of a plane have anything to do with bloody you know selling beer right (laughs) the thing was the whole campaign that was the big idea the campaign was around you know, um, getting the Carlton Draft customers to rip off the label um, of the Carlton Draft pack and fill out an entry form where they donated their car to be thrown out of a plane that fitted certain specifications or they were the person that said when to throw the, the, the car out of the plane to hit a target and if they hit the target, they won $100,000. So the person that, that, that said when to push won $100,000. The person that, um, that donated the car got a new Dodge Nitro, right? So what ended up happening is over the three-month, four-month, five-month period, whatever it was, that the campaign period ran for, they, they had a like a, I don't know, 300%, 400% increase in the number of, of sales because everybody wanted to throw their car out of a plane and and, and get a new Dodge Nitro ride. Um, or they wanted to win the $100,000. So we were doing something really, really exciting, which, you know, we had Hamish and Andy involved as well, which was awesome. And it was pushed through... Uh, Whichever radio station Hamish and Andy were involved, and also through whatever PR that um, Carlton Draft had, and it had a massive result. It had a massive result, and so we, we had the idea. We got the footage of this calf, you know, falling out of a plane. Carlton Draft got more beer sales because that, because to enter you had to actually rip off the label, buy a box of Carlton Draft, write it out, blah blah blah, and and off we go. And so and so whenever I'm talking about you know um, strategy. You know, I based it off that experience and it's like, well, yeah, we, we, we can do something really bloody exciting, but, you know, let's create a landing page, a website. Let's do something that engages the audience so that you actually reach your, your, your business result or, 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 or you, you find the solution to that communication challenge or that perception that, you know, that perception that your customer has of, of you. Let's get that as being your ROI and your change or whatever. So, and it changes for each brand, basically. Mm.
0: Mm. I think the you don't hear of too many campaigns of that uh, big like big idea led creative concepts like that are are harder to come by these days from from my experience like I feel like the the golden era of that sort of thinking and campaign execution has almost been uh, scuttled to a large extent because of the the appetite for immediacy in terms of return and investment and you know, we need we need to see direct sales immediately, cost per click, all this kind of very, very granular KPIs and and marketing return and investment from marketing. I feel like it's these these kind of twenty ten ideas that were just massive and ambitious but resonated so strongly, I just don't hear about them much
1: anymore. So it, you, you know pretty- you, you are right you you are right you don't hear them uh, much anymore and and but the funny thing is I think is that um is anybody talking about them you know I mean as I said you know just recently we just did a um a stunt for uh for Ninja Warrior right um you know uh it was only a couple of years ago that we did the the the, the Ford the Ford ad and I think I think um You know, that's one of the things that I've been thinking about is actually maybe doing some more media, et cetera, Um, you know, talking about the value of of, of making your brand looking exciting. And, you know, because for a lot of people, you know, know, a lot of people who have the brand reputation at stake, it's almost like, oh, we wouldn't do that because it's just too dangerous, right? Yeah. If you realize, and we use the examples of all the stuff that we've done in the past, Um, that we have this great methodology and yes you know one of the things that you know we speak to is the link between marketing and sales and and they should have they should have a direct link Mm. and it really is about doing the thinking and 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 everything that you just said don't ignore it it's everything that you said how do we actually think it through build a plan that's believable and, and achievable and then, and then put it, and this, this is where the true creativity comes in and so and so you know one of the things that I'm going to be doing, I suppose, during this COVID period is actually start to develop you know that thinking and putting it into a palatable uh, format that you know brand managers can actually digest and maybe consider.
0: I like it. I think it's a noble cause. If it leads to more stuff being pushed out of planes, I'm into it. big tick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about uh, having fun brother and it's all about making things exciting ah uh, look it's 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 got to be it's got to be i love it and because I, I think at the end of the day that's what your mission ends up achieving in spades is not just that you yourself being having a kicking up kick-ass time but you're kind of celebrating the joy of a kick-ass time and meaning more people are doing it too so I, I love that i think that's a great mission bringing people on
1: the journey michael yeah, bringing people on the journey. i love it i
0: love it Now, maybe before we just jump into the post-fight interview questions, uh, Ozzy, I'll just ask you, what are you up to at the moment? I know you've got this, you're kind of in this process of of developing economies in Southeast Asia through aerosports, tourism. Yes. So, what's what's next steps in that regard and how can we kind of
1: keep abreast of what you're up to there? Yeah, so... Look, I, I suppose to keep to keep abreast of what I'm up to, like, like I'm, I'm actually starting to post a lot more now, um, you know, especially on my LinkedIn and uh, my professional um, Facebook page and also my Instagram. They're the three things I'm sort of starting to use a lot more. But where we're up with that, so I've been on this project for two years and uh, I was brought on the project because um, of my track record having built skydiving centers here in Australia and selling them to an ASX listed company. Right. And plus all the other stuff that I've told you about. And, uh, you know, it all comes down to, you know, I suppose, why do investors invest in people? Um, and you know, in the workshops that I do, um, which are the alone and responsible workshops, I talk about three things, which is, you know, training qualifications, track record and commercial identity. So training qualifications, have you got the qualification to do what you do and you do, 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 uh, you know, do you have the training as well? You know, the second one is, you know, uh, what's your track record? What have you done in the past? And this, these are all the things that the investors look at, right? And then the third thing is, is, okay, well, how does the industry see you as an individual? They see you as a irresponsible risk taker, or do they see you as a well prepared, uh, dot your I's, cross your T's, um, you know, engineer in, 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 in your discipline sort of thing, I suppose. So, yeah, so, so, um, you know, We've got investors basically that are that are putting up a lot of money on on an idea, and you know, alone and responsible. You know, the the buck stops with me, right? So, um, you know, I've been on the on this. I'm on, on by the same token, you know, we've we, we've had a lot of hurdles along the way. Don't you worry about that? You know, here I am going into a a country where I have no idea about the. Um, you know, the, the business rules, the regulations, the business culture. I can't even speak the bloody language, right? And, uh, you know, I've gone in there with this, you know, I believe I can do it in this optimistic half glass full attitude and gone in there with the most respect possible. Um, and, you know, I could have gone there and said, hey, I want to build a skydiving centre. We need a plane, we need a runway, la, la, la. Or I can go there and say, okay, there's a town you know um, in Indonesia where there, there, there's one part of Indonesia where you have nine million tourists and um, and uh, there's one part of 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 uh, Indonesia of, which is half an hour from a tourism area which has no tourism right and the whole the government want them to, want, want tourism to move down the west coast and there just doesn't seem to be anybody or anything or any organization that's actually driving that and so one of the things that we talked about pre-COVID was the fact that we can bring fourteen to twenty thousand customers to that area, you know, uh, per year within a couple of years. And 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 if that happens, then the the the, the tourist dollar that, that 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 comes there is going to be incredible. And then we need to work out how we're we going to harness that tourist dollar so that the the local villagers and the, the local Indonesians can actually benefit from that. Great, so- like a
0: sustainable tourism aspect to the whole thing as well to keep it all. Integrated like that, I like it.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And and then you know the 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 Indonesian government was so excited, were were so so happy about it that that they actually invited me to speak at their aerosports conference in Semarang, Central Java. And so the Garuda was sponsoring that, and they, Garuda flew me out there. Um, this is all with the two weeks notice, and I started telling the story about telling the story about about the power of aerosports tourism and how you know, you know, we've done in St Kilda and the Yarra Valley and Great Ocean Road and all this sort of stuff and, you know, the benefits and the locals and all this sort of thing. And we, we started talking about these concepts of economic development. We started, I started talking about these concepts of growing tourism, you know, within your strategic plan. And I even started talking about things like, you know, I walk around Jakarta and I see all these beautiful, you know, Muslim, you know, women with their boyfriends or husbands or whatever, and and, and then they, they all look so happy. And I said, you know, wouldn't it be a great idea if, if, if Indonesia was a shining light for Muslim nations and we build programs like women in business, women in aviation, women in sport, you know, and you know, let's try and get more women skydiving or flying planes, and ears were starting to frick up. And so it really, it really started to make me realize that you know, aerosports tourism, right? Um, is a big part of you know commun- of 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 my message now. You know it's a big you know it's 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 not just skydiving mean, now and 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 I'm I'm meeting some beautiful people around the world. You know and we're also now looking at maybe opening up another couple of centres in Thailand and one in Vietnam, right? Um, because you know all the things that you know as I said I, I, this week I had a meeting with. Um, you know the 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 center for investment, you know uh, for for you know for, for Indonesia, and we're talking about you know um, working with the directorate general civil aviation, civil aviation and the local you know uh, governing bodies and all sort of stuff. And everybody's trying to make it work. I mean the um before COVID, um, uh, the you know uh, Scott Morrison and and the the president of Indonesia. Uh, signed an agreement to allow more foreign ownership uh, or, or foreign investment to come from Australia to um, to an Indonesia, um, and I think they put it like 40 million dollars, and now Monash University is going to going to uh, you know build a campus in in Jakarta, and it's going to be a lot easier for Indonesians and Australians to do to do business together. And so I'm starting to leverage all that sort of stuff, and that's opening even more doors. So you know, once we actually start to um, you know, we start building the skydiving centre, um, you know, and we can prove that we're bringing forward to twenty thousand people there, then all of a sudden it brings you know, you know there's an, there's an invitation that can go out to investors or people that want to start new businesses or whatever, where they can actually be part of the new town plan for this village, where we need more Airbnbs, where we need more tourism experiences, we need more restaurants and cafes, and you know you know. It's just, it's just, you know, there, there's opportunity there. There's opportunity, there's massive opportunity.
0: There. I, I like it also, Aussie, because it has, <clears throat> you have the potential if you if you're involved in it and in its initial days. I mean, so much of the the tourism that you see in Southeast Asian countries is not sustainable. Like it's it's trashy shotgun crap for the masses that people come in, they use, and they leave essentially. So. If, if a sustainable mentality is integrated with this work that you're doing and it's there at the foundations that this isn't just about a company from Australia reaping cash from these countries because we've got the advancements in the infrastructure to do this and you don't. If it is about integrating the locals in the staff and in the revenue going back to the local economy in a genuine manner, I mean, that's, that's the new frontier of tourism. That that I think is you know, there's huge potential there, and your mission might end up succeeding something, or your your path might be, end up going somewhere so much greater than just jumping out of airplanes, which which is you know such a an amazing thing. So I I think you're absolutely playing in the right space, and I think you're the right guy to drive it too. So. That's really interesting. Well, and mate, I'm
1: gonna try and piggyback it and get flights over to Southeast Asia to hang out. <laughs> I'm gonna hang out, brother. It's gonna be, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna have some fun. And look, you know, I've, I've made some really close friends, man, you know, in, 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 in Indonesia. Um, you know, uh, my family's friends with their family. Um, you know, we share so much. We share so much culture, we share food, we share experiences, you know. Uh, we're giving people opportunity like it, it, it's it 's wonderful, it really is and 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 this is what it 's all about, you know going back to you know when do you, how do you know to pivot or whatever i think i think I think it really boils down to what do you want in life? who do you want to be? what is your purpose you know i get to I get to teach people to skydive i get to you know I've, I've i've had the opportunity to 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 create some of the most mind blowing projects come to life through working with brands um you know i i get to talk in front of people and help them you know through through the workshops you know trust themselves make better decisions build teams and then you know i get to now you know build skydiving centers and and uh and and grow tourism in you know countries that need it you know yeah. i mean and, and 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 it's doing that thinking what do you want out of life you know and then and then it's about you know i mean all this stuff's risky i mean I mean, I haven't had a full-time job for I don't know how long, but this is full-time <laughs> for me, you know what I mean? And sometimes the, the cash flows up and the, sometimes the cash flows down, but it's not, is it about money or is it about, you know, or is it about, is it about you know, feeling like you you, you 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 go to bed, like you're making a difference? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, look, <clears throat> Ozzy, I, I cannot agree with you more. And I also think, you know, I think about these these podcasts I'm doing and I think, you know, there's this this kind of, appetite for short format content you know and, and platforms are getting shorter right we've got TikTok tock and, and things like that out there which is basically celebrate celebrating and training a short attention span but i find again and again when i do these interviews that the real crux or the the most valuable part tends to happen about 45 50 minutes into the conversation I, it always just ends up that way and i feel like this in particular oh. Is, is the really, you know, it's where you're heading towards and it's where your heart is. And I just think it's an awesome project, man. I love to keep abreast on it.
1: Well, mate, you know, let, let's catch up more, man. So I love
0: do? it. I love it, Ozzy. I'm not going to take up any more of your time, man. I've gone over the hour mark and I really, really appreciate your time, buddy. I think that was, that was awesome. I hope you have an excellent weekend
1: and uh, let's keep in touch. Thanks, Mike. Have a wonderful, uh, wonderful uh, rest of your day. And uh, yeah, thanks for the opportunity to catch up and you know talk about the things that well, I love doing.
0: Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Doing Epic Stuff podcast. For the latest Doing Epic Stuff news and happenings, you can catch us on facebook.com slash doingepicstuff. And for inquiries, you can email me on mike at doingepicstuff.com.